There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Qualified Captain is about to get a whole lot more content to post. You just rinse that bargain basement spinner bait that you stole from your grandpa and talk about how much better the fishing was yesterday. Think about it. Swayze was not whooping ass in Roadhouse on the asphalt outside the Hooters. Johnny Cash was not kicking in and fighting in the mud and the blood and the beer on the pavement outside of Houlihan's. The instantaneous pressure change is equivalent to your body dropping 6,000 feet under the ocean and back to sea level in a millisecond. Good morning, degenerate anglers, and welcome to Bent, the fishing podcast that's ready for summer, but not the uptick of ass clowns, googans, jet skiers, white claw chuggers, and Tito's sluggers that will be showing up <laughs> at the ramp. I'm Joe Sirmelli. I'm Miles Nolte. And uh, it's, uh, it's Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. The, the unofficial... The unofficial start of summer, or or as mm-hmm. I prefer to call it, three straight months of amateur hour. <laughs> that's that that's an apt description. I yeah. will say though that I don't know. I have mixed feelings about the holiday. Memorial Day weekend has changed for me over time and with age. I'm I'm sure it it probably has for you too. Yeah. Eh. I'm uh-huh. kind, kind, all right. Sort of. Before <laughs> before we go too far down this road, before I like start telling you my thoughts and associations. I got to ask, are you, is the whole purpose here? Are you trying to set up like a nostalgic, let's swap stories about how great Memorial Day weekend fishing used to be back when we were single kind of deal? Is that, is that where you're going today? Well, yeah, that, yes, that's, <laughs> yeah. Like All right. back All right. in the, as I'll I, let you go as first. I, okay. I mean, yes, I, I was going to go back to the before times, yeah. as I call them, the pre-kid days and Memorial Day weekend back then, that was my striper fest weekend. Like I slept mm-hmm. in the cuddy cabin of my old boat all weekend, which smelled like ass. I mean, it was ter- it was a terrible, env- it, it was a toxic environment. But I mean, you you don't care when you're 25. No, and 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 just had like a revolving door of friends that would roll in and out of the marina all weekend, and we'd go just pound the cows. And nowadays, 
I just want to sit at my in-laws beach house, not deal with any of the on the water madness and just like drink gin and tonics, perhaps a mojito. Hmm. That's, that's where I've, that's where I've gone. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm apologizing. I'm not really apologizing. I'm just going to say I I I can't I can't follow you. I can't go down this rose tinted memory lane with you because I don't I don't have it right. We we have in the past like we've had segments before where we've swapped stories about single glory days, but yeah. but for this one I I don't I can't I got none. I associate this holiday with the end of fun and the beginning of just work, right? Because most mm. of my adult life, this weekend marked the official start of nonstop guiding. It meant that ah, it meant that that was yeah. it, right? And and not yeah, only that, yeah. it meant the rivers were going to get crowded. The fishing was just going to steadily get worse. Like from here on out for the next few <laughs> months, the fishing was just going to get poorer, and I was going to be working basically every day until September. So I don't I don't have the warm and fuzzies on this holiday. Uh, hmm. mo- whether or not I enjoyed my Memorial Days was was usually dictated by the quantity of tips that I was able to hustle, which is cynical and and kind of shitty considering what this holiday is supposed to celebrate, but I'm just being honest. That's the truth. Hmm. Well, that's one way to completely ruin uh, an intro. I know. I'm you sorry. Just comple- you've just, I, you knew exactly where I was trying to take this, and you. I mean, I'm just going to throw out there, in my opinion, my personal, you could have played along. I, like, not would have killed you to play along. I, I would have been lying. That would have been. Do you want me to lie to the people? No. Do you want me to tell them lies? I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no, but you could have taken a, like, a more positive angle. You could have been like, yeah. I was on the water every day with my clients, driving all over the state, chasing hatches, sleeping in trucks. Those, those things are all technically true. I did those things. Right. Yeah. Right. I, so you could have followed the you could have followed the spirit of my intro, which would have set me up to talk about how different last year's holiday was, which I'm gonna do anyway, despite <laughs> your unwillingness to follow, because like that's that I'm I I don't know how to pivot. So what I was gonna get into was how last Memorial Day frankly, it was creepy, right? Because yeah. we were in the thick of the pandemic and the beach vibes were, it was very strange. Like like the neighbors barely said hello. Everyone was really on guard. It almost felt like you were breaking the rules by going to the Jersey Shore that weekend. Mm. Um, and it, I mean, it was a far cry from the usual party atmosphere you get this weekend, which I, I think I expect that atmosphere to be back this year, just because of where we are and how many people are vaccinated and so on. But I will say as creepy as it was last year, it also meant there weren't that many people around, right? Especially at night because nothing was really open, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. which meant I had some really choice, like high traffic striper spots to myself. And I pounded some fish around some of the bridges down there. So, um, you know, I'm going to have my gear with me this weekend. I won't I won't go to the beach on Memorial Day weekend without fishing gear. Um, and we'll just see. It depends what happens. I might I might run a few late night ops, covert ops if the tides align. Oh, you or will. I might just drink you, gin and tonics. You're going to do it. You know you're going to do it. <laughs> I get I bet last year you got some weird looks if anybody saw you cuz I bet you were seen as extra creepy like sneaking around at night when everybody else was hiding out. Nobody saw me. I mean, literally, it was late enough. It was foggy and strange, and there, there. I don't think another car even drove over the bridge in the hours I was out there. Really? I looked over that bridge. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go, and I'm going to walk up on the bridge, and I'm going to look down, and if I see what I want, I will stay. And I, I remember peeking over that bridge, and it was just a line of stripers in the shadow line from one end of the bridge to the other. You know, I, I like, oh I, shit. I remember. I, re- I have a vague memory of you. Like sending me photos and mm-hmm. catching a bunch of stripers around this 
right around this mm-hmm. time last year. I, I I I remember that you being like get you. I don't know what you said. You didn't say anything stupid like getting on them. That's not what you would do. But you just you sent me photos saying corked. How, <laughs> you sent me photos showing me evidence, and I was jealous. Uh, and I don't want to further mess up. I realize I've been stepping on your whole plan. I don't want to mess it up any anymore. So uh, I'm guessing this is where I'm I'm supposed to ask you if you were pounding those stripers with 13 rods. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you are. And I was. True story. Last Memorial Day weekend was, was actually the first time I used their Omen Green Salt Prototype X spinning reels. Those stripers, the mm-hmm. aforementioned stripers I pounded, <laughs> Actually, were I'm not kidding. They were the trial run of the 13 gear I just got my hands on. And since then, those very same sticks, right, same exact gear, have whipped a bunch more stripers, mahi and B-side, mm-hmm. bowfins, and so on. So mm-hmm. those outfits, the, the exact same ones, they are still kicking ass and taking names, got to say. I believe that. I believe that because they make really great stuff. And they do. And we've established I'm... I'm actually, I'm not actually all that excited about Memorial Day, but I am genuinely excited to say that Bent is officially brought to you by 13 Fishing. We, yes. We highly Love encourage, it. highly encourage you to check out the fine selection of rods, reels, and baits available at 13fishing.com. Use this weekend. It's an opportunity, right? Use it. Get out on the water and figure out what gear you're missing or, or mm-hmm. what gear needs to be replaced. Mm-hmm. But I will say, maybe don't be the guy riding around with a bunch of gear or maybe even a boat and trailer that you have no idea how to use. There will be plenty of that happening this weekend already. Oh, yeah. No, you're right about that. I've always looked at it like um, it's like an unwritten rule that inept boaters and anglers, it's almost like they cannot partake in these activities until Memorial Day weekend. Again, I mean, like more, the, more support the, for why I dislike it. I'm just saying. I, I know, but it's like the weekend before Memorial Day. It's, it's great. It's, it's one week, right? Yeah. And it might be just as beautiful a May weekend yep. as Memorial Day will be, but in my experience, there are, are, are 50 to 70% less mooks. Yeah. The, like it has to be Memorial Day to bring them out. This is this is the season when the qualified captain is about to get a whole <laughs> lot more content to post. Oh, Oh, was that ah. a wow? Was that a social me- a social media reference from Miles Nolte, Nailed ladies it. and gentlemen? Nailed yeah, it. I, I, good for I you. Will, I will admit, I am all in on the qualified captain page. Oh yeah. Uh, not not to mention not to mention a couple of shout outs. Not to be done, Jerry of the day and Kook Slams. I may not know anything <laughs> about social media habits or algorithms, but I do know that watching other people make fools of themselves is highly entertaining for everyone because we all love feeling superior. It's basically, you know what it is? It's the modern version of America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, yeah, dude. And that show's still on. And now all they do is, is grab stuff off social media. Like, nobody sends uh. the VHS in because they don't exist. Uh, anyway, but you know, you're right. Fails drive views. Um, and that's just as true for fishing content as dads, like, getting hit in the nuts by their kids, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and what you, you probably don't know is that TikTok is the platform for posting mm. viral fishing content fails i am aware that this exists i've heard it brought up in meetings uh and i'm sure everyone <laughs> will be shocked and horrified to learn that i've never been on TikTok. you got you you got the the tiktok dossier uh i'm not on there either i'm not on tiktok either but you know who is on tiktok i sadly i do yes hell yeah you do buckle in freshen up your axe body spray grab a monster tropical thunder and absorb the wisdom of lance v here comes trolling with lance 
from the land to the boat to the lake to the sea f***ing up the internet with your boy Landry What's up, skid marks? It's me, the internet's most winningest fishing guru slash celebrity slash personal trainer, Lance V. Back again to help your pathetic social media efforts tick above slightly mediocre. Oh, and for all the haters hoping I was done on this dumpster fire of a podcast, sorry, not sorry. Miles and Joe are still stroking me checks, among other things they've been stroking lately. Hashtag I stroke, you choke. Anyway, this week we have a question from 13-year-old Helmet W who writes, Dear Lance, I've been having a really hard time getting anyone to pay attention to my Parler, Tumblr, and Viber accounts. I think it's time I try TikTok. Any advice for getting your fishing videos noticed on this platform? Great question, Haldo. And you're in luck because TikTok has a cheat code. You ready, little buddy? Here's the secret. Capone's oh no. No matter what the f*** you post on TikTok, that shit will turn to instant gold if you set it to Oh No by Capone. Hashtag take it to the bank. Visionary anglers have been using Capone's Oh No to accentuate their fails and rack up views for months now. Just recently, at Big Water Fishing used in a video of himself improperly fighting a walleye through the ice while sitting next to a shovel. And at Muscle Milk Daddy used it to highlight what happens when you use budget lip grippers on a big bowfin. Side note. Muscle Milk Daddy might be the only listener to this stupid show who has any real potential. But when most people use a song, I just have to say, because they don't use all the muscle milk it packs to enhance their weak content. The truth is, Hamilton, I don't ever fail at fishing. But you and everyone else listening to this lame podcast does, so I suggest you harness the power of Oh No. Squeeze every last drop of its potency and slather it all over the many videos of you failing. Here's what I mean. You shoot a video about your favorite bass lore because that's what real G influencers do. Except unlike us, you don't rope hogs, you just rinse that bargain basement spinner bait that you stole from your grandpa and talk about how much better the fishing was yesterday. So, you shoot a video about your new kayak, except everyone knows it's from Costco and you won't make it 30 feet for the bank at the county park pond before you flip it. You try to boost your steez with a comment or giveaway, except all you've got to sweeten the pot is a half-used pack of pink lizards and the beer koozie you got free with your last purchase of Fresca. Oh, no. So you see, Helen, TikTok is the only platform that lets losers like you rise to the top because their algorithm is based solely around the use of Capone's Oh No. Of course, internet wizards like me and the Guggen Squad know that algorithm will eventually change, and since we know people on the inside of TikTok, trust me when I say you'll want to shift from oh no to this in six to eight months. That just confirmed every negative assumption I have about TikTok, so (laughs) we're good. I I had not I didn't have any plans to sign up any. Let's not pretend like I was I was just about to get on until I heard that I wasn't. But uh but if the trick to the whole thing is just you know set shitty videos to shitty music, I'm I'm definitely out. Me too, I think. It's funny, man. <laughs> I consider myself to leave fairly, the door open. 
I uh, I can't in this day and age you can't just close it out completely. I'm probably going to eat some of the words I'm about to say, uh, but it, it, I consider myself fairly up on social media platforms, right? But much like Snapchat, TikTok is another one where you bring it up and I just go full old man mode. I'm like yep. I don't understand this. I'm on the Facebook <laughs> like Aunt Florence. Like it's like my mom printing web pages to show me things oh. because sending a link doesn't compute. And oh. I, she's like, I saw this thing on Bed Bath & Beyond. I'm like, why did you waste ink and paper, Mom? Send me a link. Uh, but anyway, that's how I feel about TikTok. Like, what's what's different or better than posting a short video on Instagram? I don't but know. look, don't answer people. Like, I'm not I'm not looking to be schooled. Don't school me. It's fine. I'll I will get on TikTok like just when it's going out of style. It'll be like like you know like I did with Instagram. People are like, oh, Sermelli got on TikTok. We're already yeah. way past that. We're doing this now. You know, I, I maybe I, I will not eat these words. I'm not going to try. I cannot. I, I cannot envision a future where I'm like, hmm, TikTok. Yeah, I'm really into yeah. this. Uh, yeah, and and I will say that the past few minutes, it didn't make me want to go on TikTok, but it did make me want to just go down into my basement and and listen to vinyl, and read a hardcover book, <laughs> and drink something very strong. Uh, right. So so let's get away from this. Let's do let's do a that's my bar and and. Some for all you remember, this is the the recurring segment where you, the listeners, you hit us up and nominate your favorite fishing bars, and we're doing God's work here. People, we are. This is, I, don't, I don't think people realize the significance of this segment. We are compiling the world's greatest database of places to drink after you get off the water. All right. Yeah. That's that's all, all you people drinking in chilies right now. Pay attention. Okay? Yeah. And this particular one might come in handy if you happen to be in Connecticut and you're trying to avoid the inevitable circus that's happening on the water. Best goddamn bartender from Timbuktu to Portland, Maine. Or Portland, Oregon, for that matter. Okay, so today on That's My Bar, we are not, we are not going to Wisconsin. Can you, <laughs> can you believe it? It's their fir- first time for everything. Uh, yeah. I, I can't, I can't really believe it. And before we continue, although we're not going to Scani today, Land O'Lakes continues to reign supreme as the undisputed worldwide champ of fishing bars, at least according to this show. It does. Uh, absolutely. That said, all that said today, we're featuring a state that I've actually never set foot in much less. Really? Fished. I've no, I've never been there. I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing you have, and that you're familiar with this area, but I've never been, I've never been to Connecticut. Yeah, no, I I have been. I've I've spent some time in Connecticut, did a little fishing up there, though somehow I missed uh this particular bar. So today's submission comes to us from Steve Farley. And ironically, what resonated with me most were some sort of like peripheral comments that aren't even about this bar, just good bars in general. No, You'll the dude just I mean. understands good yes. dive bars. Yes, completely. You'll you'll see what we mean. So let's get into it here. Steve writes, All right, fellas. I've been holding off on my bar recommendation because I recently relocated to Northeast Pennsylvania from Connecticut, and bringing this gem up brings back some old memories. Anyways, here we go. The Black Duck Cafe was first recommended to me by some new friends I met when I moved from Buffalo, New York to Norwalk, Connecticut. I told my friends I had only one condition for a bar. It has to be a dive. I also happen to love fishing, which they found out over time. Alas, the Black Duck Cafe. <laughs> pulling, into the <laughs> pulling into the gravel parking lot set the scene for something I knew I would enjoy because, let's face it, 
No one has ever gone to a dive bar that doesn't have a gravel parking lot or a pothole city, as us East Coasters refer to it. So there's the first comment. I had never thought about it, right? But Steve is very correct. Every good shithole dive bar has a gravel parking lot, right? Like, think about Swayze was not whooping (laughs) ass in Roadhouse on the asphalt outside the Hooters. Johnny Cash was not kicking in a fighting in the mud and the blood and the beer on the pavement outside of Houlihan's. So Steve nailed that part. Yeah, I'd call that 80% accurate. I would say that I, I, the, your point is valid, and, and the sways and cash reference are not lost on me. <laughs> Thank you for those. But I, I, and I, I, have, I definitely have many favorite dive bars with gravel lots, but I also have a few with hard pan lots. Okay. So I think Fair. in general, I agree, but not entirely. The other, thing, the other thing that Steve brought into this without meaning to that I got to point out is, is notice how he talked about bringing up this gem brought back old memories. Oh, yeah. And another part of this segment and why we love it is because we have these deep connections to our favorite bars, even if we haven't been there a long time, and getting to just think about them and reminisce about them and talk about them, it's fun. Totally. It, we all have that up, bar. Yeah, whether it brings it's a fishy up the bar and fuzzies. And, yep. and, and, and Steve hit on that. I don't even know if he was aware of it. So anyway, I'm going to continue on with what with, with, with Steve's email here. Steve says, the Black Duck is located on the Sagatuck River. Or should I say in? Because the bar is literally an old barge tavern from 1840 that is sinking into the river. And Steve sent photos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it does quite literally appear to be sinking and could potentially collapse into the <laughs> he's river. Not, he's not lying. Like, no, this is legit. Yeah. You gotta, if you see the photos, you'll, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that, that doesn't look stable. And oddly enough, I think I uh, am I is I think this is the first bar we featured that's actually a boat. I think I, so too. I there was thinking are about lots it. Of I these don't, out yeah. there. Yeah. And it's weird that it took us this long to get to one. But anyway, back to Steve. He says, "So, if that wasn't enough to get you excited, the bar also features old fishing caps, painted buoys, and lures so fake it hurts. And <laughs> a miniature boat above the main bar suspended by chains as if walking into a place that is at a 25 degree angle toward the water (laughs) and might also sink at any minute wasn't enough. Now you got a boat questionably dangling above your head. Great fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So based on Steve's photos, the whole place, it just looks unstable. It's a, it's a, it's a precarious. I would describe it as precarious. precarious. It's good word. It's good word. It's a, I would also say it's like a, it's just a giant lawsuit waiting to happen. But I looked up uh, the Black Duck and uh, their menu, and just fun <laughs> fact, while you're waiting for it to cave in and possibly send you to a watery, muddy grave below, uh, you can enjoy the Davy Jones Burger, which is topped with, as the, this is from the menu, hot buttery lobster meat. And oh, I, yeah. And that's, that's yes. how I want to go out. I've said yeah. this for years. I want to <laughs> die eating a burger with lobster on it. So, <laughs> so that's, that's good. Um, And here's the last thing Steve wrote, which I love, right? He says, oddly enough, the one thing I appreciate most about the duck is the Heinz ketchup in the glass bottles, because that shit just tastes better. Joe, (laughs) you know this, having undoubtedly been in some real New Jersey diners, he could not be more correct. It is, it's rare. It's very rare these days to find a place that uses old school glass ketchup yes. bottles or yes. better yet, better yet, right? 
find a place that not only uses them, but refills them. Because oh. everything is just so freaking squeezable and disposable these days. Like if you gave if you gave my kids a glass ketchup bottle, they like they wouldn't know how to get the ketchup out. No way. The proper the proper shake and tap technique is lost on their generation. Like these kids wouldn't even know that sometimes you got to start it with a butter knife. Well, so the, thank you for that. The butter. Uh, hold on, hold on. The butter knife is is only for kids. I would nah, say that's a rookie enough. move. You got you know that you got to you got to you got to tap the Heinz logo with the heel of your hand and hold the bottle at just the right angle. That's that's the way you got to do it. And <laughs> and that that's a nearly useless hot tip unless uh unless you're headed to the Black Duck for a beer, burger and a shot. So I, I don't know where else you're going to use those cuz I haven't seen glass ketchup bottles in ages. Steve, we really appreciate the submission so very much. And hopefully Joe or I will get to the duck before it's completely reclaimed by the river. If you, yeah, I'm talking to you out there. If you've got a fishy bar that you think should be featured on this show, let us know, send an email singing its praises and, uh, and be compelling. Send it to bent at the meat I wonder if anyone has ever fished off off the, the 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 black duck barge while drinking. That's a good question. You know what I mean, like that's like what's it? Um, Seattle, Seattle Hotel, where you could fish out the window. You know what I'm talking about? It's a famous thing. I, I know exactly Led, what you're talking about. Led yeah. Zeppelin did it. Yeah. Like I, I do shark. that. I do that. The infamous mud shark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little soak, a little brew. I'm yeah. I'm in. Yeah, you should do that. You should. I think this is a this is an important question that needs to be answered. There's only one way to do it, and that's with you know on the ground true investigative research. You should go there. And you should do that, and you should film it, and then put it on TikTok. And while you're my doing first that, TikTok video, <laughs> there you go. It won't it won't do very well. And while nope. you're doing that, I'll be I'll be over here, or actually, you know what? I'll still be sitting in my basement listening to vinyl and drinking, <laughs> and 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 trying to dig up some valuable, useful content for the current events competition we sometimes like to call fish news. Fish news. That escalated quickly. Before we hit fish news, a uh, quick little housekeeping. Uh, a while back, I reported on the the big lake sturgeon. I'm, I'm having a bunch of corrections on this story that I apparently <laughs> screwed up because I've already corrected the story once. But the 240-pound lake sturgeon that got caught in the Detroit River, uh, I already have admitted that I was wrong about how it was caught. A lot of people also seem to get angry with or take issue with the way that we framed the Detroit River as having once been a, mm-hmm. a, a toxic wasteland, which it was, to be fair to us, it was once that. But just to clear it all up so that we're not you know, shitting on your favorite river, it is a, a shining example of what happens when we clean up our waterways because the Detroit River is actually in great shape now. It's great fishing. So I apologize to all of you out there who got offended <laughs> if you thought we were talking smack about your favorite river. We know it's good now, but legitimately it, it used to be disgusting it's just not anymore yeah yeah and i and i feel that personally because i'll just say that one time i took like a joking shot at at detroit proper and learned quickly like people there's detroit pride and i heard about it and i felt bad about it and i'm sorry about doing that back in the day uh, so so yeah exactly yeah. so detroit it's all good. Sorry. Uh, we apologize. What we'd like to do is take you out for a cup of coffee to make up for this. <laughs> and if we were going to do that, we would take you to King Koi Coffee Garden in Vietnam. You get the plane tickets. We get the coffee. I want to go. A quick, <laughs> just a quick shout out uh, for everyone that has written in to alert us to King Koi Coffee <laughs> in Vietnam. 
We this get is the worth best emails, man. It's it's tremendous. This is worth looking up uh, the photos. It it is. It's mostly made of water. There's koi swimming <laughs> in all of it, and it's just like koi wonderland. Like there's like little peninsulas that go out to a couch. For your coffee, and you just sit there, and you're just surrounded by koi. Like I've never you're seen sitting so like many below koi. the waterline too. Like the you're, I, you're down yeah. in it with the koi, having your coffee. Uh, this I can see. I can see King Koi Coffee Las Vegas happening. Doesn't yeah. this seem like something that like oh, Vegas yeah. would be all about? Yeah. Um. But yeah, we've we've dabbled in koi stories and things, so we do we do appreciate <laughs> the nod to King Koi Coffee in Vietnam. If we ever get there, we promise to record an entire episode live from the floor at King Koi Coffee. But look it up. I hope I hope one day that's in our budget that we can fly to Vietnam exactly. and record. Look it up from King Koi. Look it up. Uh, so thanks for all that. Keep those coming. We really enjoy those, everybody. And uh, reminder: this is a competition. Joe and I do not know what stories the other one has found somewhere in the recesses of the internet. And uh, at the end of it, Phil, the engineer, the engineer, the Phil. The, the one and only. The one and only. The decider will be picking a winner as to which one of us gets to emerge feeling the glory and the, the light of Phil shining upon us and which one of us is just going to cry the, for a while. The glory, the glory of love, as the Peter glory. Sotero would say. Just like Peter Sotero would say. <laughs> Uh, all right, you're up first, man. What do you got? Yeah, okay. So you just talked last week about the mass spec pen, right? Yes. Which quickly identifies the fish species when you simply touch this pen uh, to the fillets, right? And this, yes. of course, is is a is to thwart fraud in the seafood industry. So I have a story uh, about another tool aimed at thwarting corruption and illegal fishing. This one is much less technological than the mass spec pen, but cool nonetheless. So I have always been intrigued with 3D printing, right, since it became a thing. Mm -hmm. I'm always fascinated by by how it's applied to fishing. Oh, I know where you're going. This is a good specifically. one. Okay, right? Yes. Good. I'm, I'm happy you're happy. But I've always been interested in how it's applied to, to, to fishing. And so far, I got to tell you, I'm not overly impressed, right? Like, I'm not saying there isn't some cool fish-related 3D-printed shit out there. But for the most part, like I've noticed with, with lures, you, you see stuff made with, you know, consumer-grade 3D printers, and it's like, yeah, okay. And like I, I've, I have trust issues with the plastic, right? I don't, I, like I don't, I don't feel it doesn't feel strong. I don't think the consumer level stuff is very strong. And I even have like a couple three D printed fly reels. And while I appreciate the design and work that went into that, from CAD drawing to finished product, I'm like, eh, this is functional, but it's still kind of a novelty. Like I'm not opting into the 3D printed reel over a normal reel. Well, we anyway. we did a whole sale bin on the 3D printed lures that looked terrible because. I mean, we just made fun of them. No, actually, we flagged one, but we didn't do it because then we found out it was a young child making them, and we were like, ooh, we better not. Oh, we didn't? I thought we were, oh, see? Sorry, kid, what... if you're listening now, we were going <laughs> to we crucify you, and then we just kind of did anyway. Uh, but yeah, it was all fun and games, so I was like, yo, bro, he's 11, so let's not. Oh, I forgot anyway, all now, about that. Anyway, moving on. Now we look like terrible people. Anyway, anyway, so look, so here's a great example of how 3D printing is being used in a fishy way that is not a novelty. And this comes from uh, New Zealand's Times Live. And we all know that one of the biggest threats to sharks globally is shark finning. And no, we are not replacing the shark fins with 3D printed fins like that Annika dolphin that lost its tail. Okay, so <laughs> global assessments estimate 
that between 26 million and 73 million sharks are traded each year, but they estimate that the actual figure is likely to be uh, far higher. Now, these sharks are caught in nets, finned, and their bodies are dumped. And this happens a lot over in Asia, a lot of different countries. Dried shark fins fetch huge money, right? They're supposed to be an aphrodisiac and have all kinds of other health benefits. They make soup out of them. We actually recently talked about that great piece our buddy Riverhorse wrote that covered or touched on shark finning here in the States, right? Yeah. So yeah. this this happens legally here too. Now in most countries, shark finning is is very illegal. Though some do allow it, but there's rules. Like they insist that tech, you know theoretically the whole shark is supposed to be brought back and finned on land, which allows the proper authorities to properly ID the fish. Um, bringing the whole shark back also means a boat offshore theoretically can't kill as many sharks because when you have the whole shark taking up you know hold space, it just they just take up more room. Um, you're also only supposed to target approved sharks, uh, those that aren't protected or endangered. But regardless, shark fins are, are still in just such high demand that the practice is rampant illegally all over the world. And in order to even try to nail people doing this illegally, first, you have to be able to identify the fish by fin only, similar to how we're trying to identify fake fillets with, yeah. the, with the mass back. Yeah. Um, if you can't prove that the fin is from a shark you're not supposed to harvest, it makes it difficult to follow through on repercussions and making a case. So the nonprofit organization Traffic, which keeps an eye on stuff like shark finning, wanted to do something to help. And they worked with the South African Department of Forestry, Fisheries, and Environment. They also worked with U.S. shark expert Deborah Abercrombie. And they also got input from, from several committed South African-based service providers to create a set of ultra-realistic 3D-printed shark fins that can be used by frontline enforcement agents as an ID guide. And they did this by first collecting real dried shark fins that have been confiscated during busts all over the world, and these included fins of 11 of the most commonly traded species. Uh, Great hammerhead is one of them, oceanic white tip, silky sharks. And they, they laser-scanned all these fins and per the story, they use nylon as the primary material, and the printing process they use gives the fins a, like a slightly rough sandpaper texture, similar to real dried shark fins found in the trade. And the story says, once these fins are, are painted up, right, you'd be hard-pressed to tell the difference between a real dried shark fin and the fake fin. So currently... There are 3D scan files and associated painting instructions available for 22 fins for free on the traffic website as part of the organization's ongoing effort to combat the illegal trade. So any enforcement agency that deals with shark finning the world over, anywhere, can download all those files for free and all the paint instructions and basically create a set of these fins that they can take with them and use in the field for quick ID. So we're just using some 3D printing here, but I mean, talk about using that in a, in a way that has or can have significant impact right away. I thought that was really cool. I think that's cooler than a, a 3D printed fly reel. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely <laughs> right for on so many levels. I, I saw this story. I'm really glad you, you took it because I because I didn't. Uh, otherwise, we we almost crossed over. We came very close. <laughs> Two weeks in a row, we've almost crossed. Almost, over. almost, but but not. I'm 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 appreciating that. And look, we I, I think everybody is aware that the the massive depredation of sharks 
in the world is, is a problem for our aquatic ecosystems and it's messing up our fisheries. Uh, so anything we can do to get ahead of this, I'm all for it. And I think uh, there's going to be some challenges with this first getting them everywhere and then getting them in use. But I, dude, like I said, anything, anything that, that helps in regulatory agencies crack down on illegal shark sales. I I'm, I'm in support yeah. of it. I mean, I, I have more questions. Like I, I put faith in the research that like these are the right tools for the job. But I also wonder, like, man, can you make one fin or a fin or two represent you know that's representing all these different species? And do they really look that different? No, that, I mean, I'm just I, curious. I know. So I'm just I, asking. I, the same like, thing. I don't know. Does it have? Is, does is having it, that there? Does it allow you to say for sure? Oh no, that's definitely a great a hammerhead, hammerhead fin. Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. So. Um, but they seem really confident that that this is going to be just instrumental in 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 helping to solve this problem, because as I understand it, it's only getting worse. Yeah, like there are more and more sharks every single year, and it's it's as I as I understand it, one of the toughest sort of infractions in illegal seafood trade to crack down on. So, three yep. D yep. printing. I, uh, I hope that goes well. I really do. I hope that anything, like I said, anything we can do and I'm going to, I'm going to stick with technology and, and fish, uh, but I'm going the complete opposite direction. Whereas mm-hmm. you looked at a new technology that may have massive benefit to sharks and fisheries and humans. I'm looking at something that's completely useless and, uh, <laughs> we'll all be dumber for having heard about it. Oh, I love it. This sounds yeah. like a me story. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. This is, I, I channeled you for this. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be short because there's not that much to say, but it's so, it's just so ridiculous. I, I, I had to do it. So supposedly a company in Japan will soon be releasing something called the Katsugyo bag, which is Ooh. a handbag designed to carry live fish. The company announced. Oh God, you did yeah. it! You went for it. I did. I love it. I did. Great. The company announced the product a few weeks ago, but uh, they weren't really prepared for the level of interest that it was going to generate. <laughs> Within days, the fish bag got written up on sites all across the internet. Uh, some of which were like high fashion blogs who incorrectly mm-hmm. reported that the purpose of this item was to allow ornamental fish owners to take their finned pets out yes. for a walk. That is and, not what it's for at all. No, Continue no. on. Could, could and, not be more wrong. That's what's so know, great about this. As you know, the story kind of <laughs> blew up, you know, with uh, with websites like LuxuryLaunches.com proclaiming that the new innovation caters to the wishes of fish parents with a quirky container-like bag for live fish designed as a more stylish, efficient, and environmentally friendly alternative to the traditional water-filled plastic bag. Mm, Who are no. these people? Nothing about this is helping fish, really. I I got so I've got a new <laughs> low for myself. Like if this ever happens, I know that I have bottomed out. If I ever become a writer for luxurylaunches.com, <laughs> I have officially failed at life. That's for sure. Okay. I okay. just know that. And of course, I'll keep that in mind. Just so yeah. just so you know. Uh of course, soon after that happened, other websites who like to make fun of ridiculous crap for sale picked up on the story like sadanduseless.com, which calls itself the most depressive <laughs> humor site on the internet. The product, which it looks like it should be a prop from the Life Aquatic. Like, I feel yes. like someone stole it off the set of the Life Aquatic. Yes, yes. It's a, it's a, it's a handheld clear cylinder. It's got, it's got a, a, a little carrying handle on the top, clear cylinder with caps on each end and feet on the bottom. 
and this pressure gauge that looks like it came from an old timey scuba suit sticking up mm-hmm. off the top. Old iron lung or something. Yeah. yeah. MA Corporation, who, who made this, put up a few photos in an Instagram post a couple weeks ago, clearly not knowing what they were getting into, which makes sense because MA Corp is actually in the business of making surgical equipment. And mm-hmm. this was their first foray into the world of stupid viral product development. The post was inundated with comments from people wondering where they could buy one to walk their pet fish and how much they would cost, <laughs> as well as the expected hecklers and trolls. The actual product is still in development. No models actually exist right now. But within days, MA Corp took down the post, even though because it just got out of control. But you can still find the photos all over the internet. And they show a host of different photoshopped fish riding around in the, the Katsugio bag. If you look closely, first of all, you can tell the fish are photoshopped. And you'll also notice that the little pressure gauge on top reads zero in every single photo. So it's, it's clearly not actually working. The MA Corporation first tried to respond to all this insanity, explaining that the bag is not intended for pet owners. The idea is to allow fish consumers to transport <laughs> live food fish that exactly. they either purchased or caught before consuming them, therefore ensuring maximum freshness. And If uh, it's in the damn tonkatsu purse, <laughs> it's going to die. I, it's not there to be dude, walked like a chihuahua. It's going to die. <laughs> I don't know what's more. I don't, dude. I don't know what's more <laughs> mind-boggling about this whole thing. The fact that someone developed this high-tech carrying case for food fish or the fact that thousands of people saw it and, and wanted it. It would finally allow them to realize their dreams of walking their goldfish through Central that, Park on a summer that, day. Dude, that is the most <laughs> like mind-bending part of the whole thing to me. It's like not only exactly, it's like all these people came out of the woodwork and been like, finally. Finally. I have wanted to take Mr. Scribbles <laughs> on a walk for years. And now finally, like the, all you, those smug dog minds? owners with their dogs and their air breathing pets walking around all happy hate them can't take although i will anywhere. say i will say the opportunity for for viral video comedy and you imagine just like oh. going to the movies with that and have yeah. a lobster in there some weird shit do you know what i mean i gotta, like take like, that as, to the take that to the madison stick a trout in there oh. and just like hang out at the takeout for a while sup goes, what Billy. are you doing i'm like i like this one I've, yeah. yeah i've named no, him he helps me catch his friends he tells me he's right. like he's he's the judas fish <laughs> Uh, and I, I want to, the last thing I'm going to say about this is I like, I'm not a fan of this product, even if used as intended, because my, yeah. my, th- here's my How thought. How often do you need that? Maybe in Japan. No, though. no, no, no. Here's, here's my thinking. Hear me out. I, I'm, I claim, and I, I'm, I'm basing this off of not a whole lot of evidence, but I, I think that the stress of putting a fish in this tiny tank and carrying it around is going to totally screw up the meat. Like that fish mm. is going to be so stressed out. I don't think it's going to do well. I think you're better off. Killing the fish quickly, bleeding them out, and just keeping it really cold. I think you will have a better product yeah, in the end. Maybe. I, I Probably. I mean, I the impression I get, though, is this is like you go to the store, put the fish in, and you are immediately heading to where it's going to be consumed. Like, it's not supposed to live in there for a long time. Frankly, I'm just curious. Have you ever bought a live fish at a fish market? Like, no. Every once in a while, there will be live tog in some of the markets around here, which I've never been 100% sure if that's legal. But I see it, nevertheless. And like, I have never bought a live fish from a fish market. Nope. Never done it. Never hmm. done that. 
O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on FishingBooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at FishingBooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. Okay, well, that was so that was your what you'll call your dumb story of the week. Yeah. Let me just get dumber because this is a classic. Really? Yeah, sort of. You'll see. This is a classic Cermelli news story. That's not only like not really news. I'm only doing this because it gives me license to make fun of bad journalism and have a debate of sorts with you. I mm. want your opinion on the subject matter of this piece. You know, which I, will have I found. One. Yes, I know. Which which I found on the website of BRC13, which appears to be a local news source mainly for the Pocono Mountains region of Pennsylvania. Okay. The headline is okay. Let's pay close attention now. Taking the bait. At the Flybrary in Monroe County. Oh, all right. So, know, I'm, I'm aware of the Flybrary. Okay. So save your thoughts on Flybrary until I get through this, because mm-hmm. that's what I want to discuss. But first, okay. okay. here's what this, this riveting story, which is, it's really just a transcript of like a 40 second newscast says, you've heard of a little library where you can leave a book and take a book, but have you heard of a Flybrary? It's a fishing lover's version of a little library. This library is located at the Stroud Township Forever Green Nature Preserve. The idea is to leave a lure or take a lure. 
When the Broadhead chapter of Trout Unlimited first installed the Flyberry, they left two lures on to start, and people are taking the bait. Oh, God. Now there are nearly 15 added by people who have visited. No live bait can be used at the park, so the extra lures can not only help out fellow fishermen and women, but also uh, the safety of the fish. And then there's this quote from Todd Burns, a local Trout Unlimited member. And he's he's very clearly trying to steer the reporter like back to the fly aspect of this whole thing. <laughs> like hence like hence the name Flybrary and hence the verbiage which they show on the Flybrary that says have a fly, leave a fly, need a fly, take a fly. And Todd says they want you to use artificial lures only here. Specifically, we like to use flies. It's just one hook, and most of us pinch the barbs down, and that way when you catch a fish, it slides out easily, and there's less of a chance of injuring the fish. But I just feel like either like the producer of this segment either had no understanding of fly fishing, wants this to appeal more to the local bait dunkers and spinner heavers, or is, uh, is just dim. So, again, not exactly what I'd call like holy shit, riveting news, but this opens up a discussion. So now I'm going to, to pause before I go on because I want your take on these library deals. So they're, just so everybody understands, they're all over the country. And mm-hmm. it's just a, a, a sort of, it's this, this national program where they'll send local folks who feel like putting them up the infrastructure to, to basically build your own little library at, at, at access points wherever. And, you know, the idea is to build community. You, you have a, you leave a yep. fly, you take a fly, whatever. I love the idea of it. I love anything that builds the angling community mm-hmm. in solidarity. I think it's fun. I think it's, it's, I, I enjoy it. The first time I saw one was at the Mosquito Lagoon in Florida. And I, I put up one of my, uh, clousers up there just because mm-hmm. I had extra because I tied a lot of them. Do I think that it's actually going to, generate any meaningful outcome like do i think that this is going to get a huge number of people into fly fishing or allow people who hadn't before been able to figure out what fly to use to finally be successful no my guess is <laughs> what's going to happen is it's going to be people use it the way i did like oh i have a bunch of these because they haven't been working so i'll put one okay. here because i think that's cool and it's <laughs> it's going to be like these these national depositories for mostly useless flies so I like the <laughs> I like the community like solidarity. Let's have fun with this aspect. Let's not take this whole thing too seriously. Let's remember we're all in it together. But I don't think it's going to be the place where I find like the secret hot patterns okay. that I need to so find. So we we could we could not be more in agreement. I I I truly love the idea of this. And again, I'm just speaking personally here. I hate to say this, but I've bumped into a couple of these flyberry type things locally. And like you say, what's on them, if anything. Is just like pure trash, like yeah. the most garbage Kmart, like poorly tied yarn balls, or like the hooks are all rusty. And I've looked at them, and my reaction is, man, nobody that actually knows what they're doing on this river has contributed a fly to this flyberry. Like it's always, it's like why, why, why is there a saltwater popper in the flyberry <laughs> at this wild rookie stream? Because I think you're right. Like people see, like, oh, I might be able to use that, but I'm not going to give up something that I actually might need. So here's this chip of shit that I haven't thrown ever yes. and has no value, and I will stick that. And now we will call it good. So 
I think in theory, it's a great idea. Um, and it does play theoretically into the communal aspect of fly fishing. Um, I've just not personally seen it work like it's supposed to. Now, I'm sure... So the Mosquito Lagoon thing, that's interesting. I've actually never heard of one in, in a salty setting, though I'm not surprised. Um, but someone someone is going to write in and be like, the flyberry on the North Fork of the Willow Mac is better than the local fly shop. And okay, that's great. That's I fine. hope that's true. I not, hope yeah, that's true. not saying that doesn't exist. I just don't see it. And I'll just, I this I have to, I have to tell this quick, very quick story. Years ago, a buddy of mine in Minnesota, you might be aware of this, was trying to get something going called scavenger fly. Does that ring a bell? I don't know about that. Okay. And I thought it was really cool, right? It, it had the flybrary aspect, but it was, uh, you'd, you'd sign up and you'd get a watertight fly box. And it even had a little notebook and like a little mini golf pencil in there so that you could like leave a note about what worked. And the difference was you were supposed to hide it and then like leave clues, like give uh. your buddy a clue and, you know, or your fishing club guys or whatever. And it would sort of like grow and create this little club of sorts. It sort of riffed on, on geocaching as well. Yeah, as well yeah that's did. what I was thinking about. And the plan was to have these these scavenger fly boxes hit it all over the country. And and I wrote about it. I, I thought it was neat. I'm like, I don't know if it's going to work, but I think this is different, and it's cool, and it's thinking outside the box. Um, so I wrote a blog about it. I filled my box, planted it on a river in Jersey, gave the clues, and over the next couple of days got a response, right? A couple dudes found it, took a picture of them with the box, added flies, left a note, and I was like, cool. This is cool. Well, it did not take a full week for someone to just steal the box. Exactly. Just jack. Yep. Just gone. And I wanted to believe that wouldn't happen. I was like, no, people will get behind this. This is not, but I knew it would. I even wrote on the box with Sharpie, don't be a dick and steal this box. <laughs> but I have no faith in humanity. It was jacked in less than five days of being planted. I'm not even sure if these guys are still doing the scavenger fly thing. I mean, this was three, four years ago, but- that's that's my take. Love love the idea. I just don't know, you know. Yeah, I I mean anytime you're dependent on on a large section of humanity doing the right thing, you're going to They usually don't. You're going to run into problems. Not. Yeah, exactly. Um, so And and you said that the the scavenger fly thing that started in in Minnesota in the Midwest, Minnesota? Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah. Well, my last story also revolves around uh, that part of the country that part of the world, though it has yeah. nothing to do with products or okay. technology or anything like that. Uh, it's something we talk about a lot, right? We talk, we talk a lot about invasive species on the show legitimately, right? Yep. Because fishing is, is a way of participating in, in the food web. And when new, new creatures are introduced, that food web changes and the, the fishing changes. So anglers, all of us are invested in these topics, right? We had, we had, Iconelli on here a while back telling us how much he loves zebra mussels and milfoil, both of which <laughs> elicit sure a lot of yeah. hand wringing from, from yeah, anglers yeah, and yeah. biologists. Like these are lively topics, right? And I'll, yep. I'll leave, I'll leave that particular one, the, the milfoil and the mussels for another day. But to, I, in this one, I'm going to focus on a different freshwater invader, the spiny water flea. And I'm just curious, have you ever huh. seen an up close picture of a spiny water flea? I cannot say I have. No. Dude, I I think they swam out of HR Geiger's nightmares. I was going to say is it the terrifying. stuff of night? is it evil? Really? Oh, yeah. So picture They don't swim up your they swim up your pee hole? Not that I know of. I didn't find anything about that. The, okay. But picture Good. picture a miniature version of one of those those face suckers from the Aliens movie franchise. That oh yeah. lives underwater. That's what it looks like. Terrible. Ex- yeah. Yeah. And and for those of you listening, unless you're driving, 
Google a picture of one right now so you can see what I'm, what I'm saying. Like, it really does look like one of those face suckers. kind of spider-like with eight legs and, and two antenna up in the front of the body. But instead of the, the tail that goes down your throat and lays eggs, they've got these really long barbed tails that's 70% Ooh. of their body length. They're really, honestly, nightmarish. That's the best way I can describe them. So spiny water fleas are native to Northern Europe and Asia, but like alewives and a bunch of other things, they, they snuck over into North America in the ballasts of cargo ships. They were first discovered in Lake Ontario in 1982, but have since spread throughout the Great Lakes and made their way into lots of other inland waters across the Midwest and Canada. They're very, very good at moving from place to place because mm-hmm. of that terrifying long barbed tail because they can, they can attach themselves to just about anything. Anchor right. lines, fishing lines, boats, boots, yeah. whatever. They just stick to stuff. And so they can move from water, like one water body to another, because especially anglers and boaters, we move around. We like to change it up. Yeah. So North America has lots of native water fleas, not spiny water fleas, but, but native versions. And those, those native water fleas are important parts of our freshwater ecosystems. They eat algae which helps improve water quality and keeps problematic blooms in check. They're also a primary food source for small fish. But spiny water fleas, on the other hand, eat native water fleas. And over here, they have no predators. When small fish try to eat spiny water fleas, those long barbed tails either choke the fish or, if they manage to get them down, puncture their internal organs. That's what I was going to ask, but I I figured without even asking, I was like, nothing can eat these. That's got to be part of the problem. Yeah. And and so so they're bad. Bottom line is that they're bad. And they showed up up around the same time as zebra mussels, but they haven't proliferated as rapidly. So they just haven't gotten nearly as much attention. Like they showed up and people were worried about it, but then they kind of weren't everywhere in the way that we thought they would be. Mm -hmm. So they've, Mm -hmm. they've fallen off is one of the major concerns. But a recent report published in the journal Bioscience may indicate that, that they're more prevalent than, than we realize. According to a researcher with, I'm going to say, like possibly the greatest scientist name of all time, Jake Uh-oh. Van Der Zanden, who co-authored <laughs> the report and directs the University of Wisconsin-Madison Center for Limnology, non-native species can occur in small, self-sustaining populations smoldering like embers in a new habitat. Many will continue on with that modest life history, never having the negative ecological impacts that attract the invasive label. But sometimes an environmental trigger gets switched and the embers of these sleeper populations are fanned into a five alarm fire. And that might be exactly what's happening with water fleas. Van der Zanden's paper documents and explains the implications of a discovery made by students at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. In 2019, undergraduates at UW conducted the same field trip in nearby Lake uh, Mendota that they, they do every year, sampling the lake and using it as a field lab. But that year, the nets were covered in thousands and thousands mm. of spiny water fleas, which had never happened before. In over mm. 200 sampling trips spanning three decades, they'd never found a single water flea, right? So the obvious conclusion would be that the water fleas had just recently invaded the lake and take over. Right. But they have lots of data on this lake, right? Because it's their, it's their field lab. And so when scientists dug through sediment cores and, and looked at uh, other samples that they had stored, they found evidence that the fleas had been around for at least 10 years. 
Whoa. And all it took was one abnormally cold summer for billions of them to Whoa. survive and lay eggs. And their population has remained steady ever since, even though temperatures went back to normal. We have no way. We haven't figured out a way yet of getting rid of spiny water flus without killing everything in a lake. Sure. And right yeah, now. Yeah, you got to zap the whole deal. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right now, uh, it's anglers and boaters. Like, we're the one. We're, we're at the front lines of this. We, we, we need to be cleaning and drying all of our equipment completely before we go from one place to another. Thing is, thing about these things, they can't survive drying. It's the one thing we know kills them. If they dry, they die. So keep that in mind. The study that's what's going to be on the bumper sticker. They dry, they, <laughs> if die. they dry, they die. That's better than clean, drain, dry for sure. The, the flea awareness bumper sticker. <laughs> the, the 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 study, like I think, the study reminds us that we we really got to be even more diligent because what it shows is that you can even be in a body of water that isn't supposed to have water fleas. Because we may not have seen them yet, but they might be in a sleeper population, right? right? And and so, or they might be just starting to explode. And even though we're somewhere where those creepy little bastards aren't known to be, we still might be picking them up. So just it's just my little PSA, like giving you some evidence for why this is such a big deal of the clean, drain, dry. It, it's because even if you're somewhere where you don't think a, one of these invasive populations might be, it's possible that they're there. They're just sleepers. So keep an eye out. Maybe the story doesn't address it, but like if you if you look at a small closed system like a lake where where these things have just popped up, right? Is that a death sentence? Like, I mean, if that's the bottom of the food chain, is that a is that a death sentence for a body of water over time? It's not take a away death the, sentence, right? Because they've been in in the Great Lakes for a long time, and it hasn't the Great Lakes haven't cratered, but it's not good. It's it's certainly yeah. Not I mean, the helping. Great Lakes are just so huge. I'm thinking like you know, you, if you have these things at a smaller body of water, you know, yeah, I don't know the answer. They to that seem question. unkillable. You know, yeah. it's it's fascinating. And dude, it sounds like I always joked if blue fish and blue gills ever grew big enough where they could actually like bite you and hurt you like a shark, <laughs> we'd be, we'd in be like, dead. We'd, we'd be, be dead. We'd be dead. Right. And I feel like these these fleas are the same thing. Like, thank God these are a microorganism yeah. and like not something that can drag me off to my own death. And puncture your organs. Uh, Exactly. But that, no, dude, it's good. It's good advice. And I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. You know, throwing wet waders and wet totally. boots. Uh, yeah. I think, I think we, most of us are guilty of that. And you're better, you're a better person if you take the time to do that. Um, so definitely something to be cognizant of. Phil has a lot to be cognizant of. He can, he, he can does. visit the library. <laughs> he can uh, handle the death fleas. He can make 3D printed shark fins um, or buy himself a fish purse to carry his pet fish. <laughs> Around, so um, we'll see. We'll see who Phil uh, declares the winner this week. And listen, we're going to change things up a little bit. After we hear from Phil, we're going to uh, actually do some sagely wisdom with River Horse to close out the show. Okay, because we've been having a lot of fun joking around about Memorial Day crowds and everything. As always, you know, River Horse provides a sense of calm too. So not only we're going to hear a great story here, we're going to get that maybe that moment of zen, that moment of chill, perhaps we all need before going into a crazy weekend. Joe, when you first started your stories, uh, I wasn't exactly smelling blood in the water, but after a while, you set the hook in my attention and then proceeded to reel me in. Fishing. You're the winner this week. <laughs> and I don't think we should be too hasty in just getting rid of all of these fish handbags quite yet. 
we should hold on to them for, I don't know, like 100 years or something until we decide to thaw out Teddy Williams and probably Walt Disney. Let's be honest, Elon Musk down the road. And we could take all of their heads for walks in Central Park. It'll be like a real-life episode of Futurama. Hey, now. This is River Horse with some sagely wisdom. One of the most beautiful things in life is to share it with someone, be they just a fellow human, a friend, or a cherished loved one. The best way I know to share is by feeding someone supper and taking them fishing. We all know there'll be some bumps in the road along the way in life. Those bittersweet low tides and the ever-damn-sweet times of riding high in the saddle. It's all good. And this is how we make sense of life and what matters to us. Here's a story about taking a soldier along for some water time called Holding Steady. He is terrified of water, they tell me. A soldier who has been through some things and would like to go fishing. I tell the foundation that they can count on me. A few weeks later, I drive lonely farm roads a couple hours north, long before sunrise, to a small Texas town to pick him up. I wonder how things will go. The foundation told me he was hit by a missile and a rock and has a torn-up foot from jumping off a two-story building. Why did he do that, I asked. Because it was on fire, they replied. When I see him in the doorway, things aren't looking good. His eyes are red, and he quickly places sunglasses over them. This is a tough day, he says. He uses a hand-carved wooden cane and wears a long beard. He is trembling and looks cold. I hand him a jacket, which brings a hint of a smile. Do you want to stop somewhere for some breakfast, I ask. I'm not hungry much these days, he says. It is a bust for fishing. The day before, there were tornadoes and gale force winds, and the fish are down deep. Today, it's bluebird skies, though, so we sit in the sweet sun on the tailgate and share some beers. This is the anniversary of my friend's death, he says. He jumped on a grenade to save everyone. Sometimes I feel guilty. We look out at the lake for a long time. Would your friend want you to feel that the rest of your time here? Or live it meaningfully, I asked him. He holds up a hand to grab mine and gives me a punch on the shoulder. Simplify, he whispers. I wonder aloud, is there any chance you'd want to go in the canoe for a while? He nods, almost imperceptibly. I put an arm around his shoulders and hold him as he sits down in the front of the wicker seat and trades out his cane for a mahogany paddle. The fly rod leans against the truck. Kicking off the bank, I shot excitedly. If the fishing were good, I'd bomb out a cast right by that sunken tree. What do you mean, bomb, he asked. Um, simply to cast far. He laughs and shakes his head. The foundation told me he was standing next to a Humvee when a missile landed, and the instantaneous pressure change is equivalent to your body dropping 6,000 feet under the ocean 
and back to sea level in a millisecond. We canoe for hours. Back in town, his girlfriend meets us at a brick oven pizza joint. He wraps her up in his arms, gently pulls her into the nook between his shoulder and neck, and breathes her in. He lines up shots of whiskey on the bar. I'm not normally into that sort of thing, but today, I am. He'd be game for fishing again someday, he says, and actually trying to catch something. What do you mean, I say? You don't want to just paddle around and live vicariously by hearing stories of all the huge bass I've caught? He almost falls up the bar stool laughing. Tells me I'm about as funny as throwing an egg into a ceiling fan. Later in the parking lot, light shimmers around him from the waning sunset. He is different. His eyes are clear, a look of contented kindness in them. He gives me a backcracker of a bear hug, and I ask him, Was it a good day for you, my brother? When we got on the water, he says, everything changed. I hope you enjoyed that and can think of someone in your life that you can take on out there too. Here's to those who serve and to those who support them. Here's to getting back on the path of life again no matter how tough the times have been along the way. Oh, I get by with a little help from my friends. Yes, indeed, life is beautiful. I will see you out there. Well, that is all that we have for you this week. No matter how you are choosing to spend Memorial Day weekend, remember that you're more likely to get in a bar fight if the bar has a gravel parking lot. Yes. Joe would rather be sleeping alone in a filthy, damp boat cabin than spending time with his family. Also, yes. <laughs> and finally, all of our, our bullshit aside, heed some of that river horse wisdom this weekend. Put your rod and your gin and juice down long enough to reflect on the weight and significance of this holiday. It's about a whole lot more than getting a pass to make a fool yourself in public. Yes. Biggest yes of the whole close here. Uh, huge thanks again to River Horse for closing out this week's show so eloquently. And thanks from everyone here at Bent and the Meat Eater to all who serve and all those who have made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom so we can do things like go fishing and make fun of people who suck at fishing. Well said. Well said. Uh, if you get any pictures of those people this weekend, post them with the Degenerate Angler and Bent podcast hashtag so we can revel in the misery of strangers with you. Doing so might just earn you a sticker pack from us. But posting videos to TikTok will not earn you a sticker pack because we're not on TikTok. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. 
They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.